0: And uh, through different and creative ways. So let's look at our scriptures today. I want to put two rhymes together. Right? I want to put two songs that Jesus puts out, two parables, and put them together. The first one is found in the book of Luke chapter 11 and verse 14 through 23. Book, Luke 11, verse 14 through 23. So let's check that out today and see what Jesus has to say. I want to read it from the screen. One day, Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed. But some of them said, no no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Did y'all read that? Can we hit that light again? I don't know what happened to these lights. Why do they keep coming off? Go, go back one more. Just go back one more time. I want to make sure that we can see that. Jesus cast out a demon. Somebody says, no wonder he casts out demons. He gets his power from Satan. Y'all, y'all better be glad that Jesus loves you, right? Jesus loves me. This I know. You don't even want to know how that text would translate if that was one of us, right? You get your power from Satan, right? And Jesus struck the one who spoke. (laughs) And then he healed him of all his broken teeth. That's what it would have said after that. Look at verse 16. Others tried to test Jesus. They must not know who he is, right? They trying to test Jesus. Look at this word. Demanded. Really? Demanded. That he showed them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. Sound like Jesus has some haters in the crowd. Jesus is healing somebody, and he has some haters. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus tells his DJ, right, to get that beat going. DJ brings the beat in. He's rocking back and forth. He's getting ready to spit some fire. That's what Jesus says. He knew their thoughts. Right? He perceived what they were thinking. So he said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. So one-liner. Jesus dropped. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. I wish I could preach that this week, but we're going to cover that in the next series. Because some of our families are falling apart because we can't forgive and we can't reconcile and we can't heal. And look what Jesus is saying. And you say, I'm empowered by Satan. But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? That's what the devil does to the church. He tries to get us divided and fighting so that we can break down ourselves and our churches won't survive. Here's verse 19. And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? In other words, the ones that you have working for you. They cast out demons too. So they will condemn you for what you have just said. In other words, check your crew, right? Check your boys because they fall into the same category. Jesus says in verse 20, but if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. In other words, because you just saw me cast out a demon, that means that God showed up. That means that I'm showing up with the power of God, for when a strong man is fully armed, with guard and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. Right, he's got armed guards out front. He's got security. He's got a team that's that's making sure everything's there. Until someone even stronger attacks, overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Now, last verse, anyone, here's the fire right here. Jesus is, Jesus is just making it so clear. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Okay, I want to read the next uh, parable. We'll come back to that. Look at chapter 12. Just go over one chapter. Chapter 12 beginning at verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd. We got some haters in the crowd. What is the, what is the deal with the crowd? Can I just help you? Stop listening to the crowd. Stop getting your advice from the crowd. Stop getting your advice and your inspiration from your followers on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, whatever else you use. Someone calls out for the crowd. Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Interesting request. Jesus responded, friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. This brother had a major farm. He must have owned Barochi Orchards or something like that. He said to himself, what should I do, right? He's in, the, he's, in he's in. his uh, his palace. He's counting his money. He's looking at his accounts. What should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. He said, I'm balling out of control. I don't know what to do. I got money flying other, everywhere. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns And I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all of my wheat and other goods. He didn't just own Barochi Orchards. He owned hops. He was supplying the Budweiser. He just had everything on point. Then I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, self, you have enough stored away for years. So, take it easy. It's time to kick back, right? Portfolio sound. Invest. This is Jeff Benzos, right? This is Amazon is doing great. I'm going to sit back and relax. I'm good. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's pop some bottles, right, with some models. Let's get some let's get some lobster and steak. Let's set it off. We're good, right? Uh-oh, we're not not right. But God said to him, fool. Just like on Friday, right? The parable of Friday. You need to watch, look, if you're going to be a part of this church, just watch Friday, okay? Because it's, it's coming out all the time. No, I better not say this. My pastor told me to watch Friday. Is that, a, is that about the Sabbath? I think it might be about the Sabbath. Watch Friday. The gospel of Ice Cube. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. then who will get everything you worked for? Mm. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Another translation of this uh, or another way this could be translated is a person who is rich in God. A person who's God rich. So here's my title today. It's real simple. More money, more problems. I'm just taking a title from the notorious BIG, more money, more problems. Now I'm not talking about money today, but I am talking about something that is important. And I'm going to say it this way. God has something to say about this. Life is not measured by how much you have, but how much you can give away. Life's not measured by how much you have. How much can you give away? And you can give away a lot if you have a lot. You can give a lot of love if you've got if you're full with love. You can offer a lot of forgiveness if you're full of forgiveness. Watch this parents, you can offer patience. If you're full of patience, single person, you can offer yourself the best gift you can to your future spouse if you can practice restraint. Because it's not about how much you have now. It's about how much you can actually give away. That's the whole theme of overflow. It's being able to give and be filled and give and be filled and give and be filled. And Jesus has got some deep things to say. If you look at verse 12 or verse 23 again in chapter uh, 12 with Luke, it says something interesting. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the fact that when you're not working for Jesus, that you're actually working against him? When you're not on... His side, you're actually opposing him. I say this all the time to my son. I say your plans are frustrating my plans, right? (laughs) Like what you're trying to do right now is frustrating what we're trying to do. And a lot of things that we do are in opposition. And so we cannot give what we don't have. We cannot be a part of Team Jesus if we're still part of Team Me. It doesn't work. God is saying, look, I want you... To be in a position where you're not so consumed about what you're building. You're not so consumed about the wealth that you have. You're not so consumed about building a future for yourself that you are missing that I am building a future with you. I am building a legacy for you. And I need you to be able to be in a position to give away as much as you have. Now, the only way to do this, because this is a tough problem. The only way to do this is to be rich in God. Think about it. You can't give what you don't have. And so the only way to give abundantly is to have to be rich with God. Because Jesus knows the more money you have, the more problems that you have. Verse uh, 15 of uh, chapter 12 that we looked at said this. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Greed is a very interesting, deep theological uh, premise inside of Scripture. At first glance, you say, well, greed is just simply wanting more than you have, right? Just, Just wanting more than what you have. It's actually something a little bit deeper. Greed in a biblical sense is not simply just having Everything you have, wanting everything uh, that someone else has. It's actually related to the word covet. And that is one of the 10 commandments in both in Exodus and both in, De- in Deuteronomy, where God says, There are 10 things that are very important to me. The last one of those is, Do not covet. That greed is connected to coveting, which means not only do I want more than what I have, I want your. I want what you have. I don't just want more. I want what you have. And Jesus is trying to say, you need to guard against every kind of greed. See, what happened was the guy who spoke up and said, hey, Jesus, can you tell my brother to split the money with me? He was actually quoting from an Old Testament law that said that if a father is basically being biased and have one son that he likes more than the other, he cannot give the younger son more then he could give the oldest son because the oldest son was entitled to his portion of the inheritance. And typically those matters would be solved by a rabbi. And so he's trying to co-sign with Jesus and say, Jesus, do me a favor, hook a brother up and tell my brother to give me my money. That's what he was saying. And he was putting Jesus on blast. He was shouting from the crowd, Jesus, I need you to do something. Here's what's deep about this. I'm going to get to this in a second. Spiritual greed is not only just wanting to have something more than I've got, not only wanting to have something that belongs to somebody else, but wanting all of those things and asking Jesus to help me get it. Now, Jesus says, listen, I need you to beware of all types of greed, which suggests That there are greed, different kinds of greed, and different degrees of greed. There's different types of greed, and there's different measures of greed. Small greed, major greed. But Jesus says, I want you to be aware of all kinds of greed. I wrote a quick little list of some things that came to mind. Let's walk through these together. How about just simply the greed of wealth? Just wanting to be wealthy, just just desiring to have as much money as you can. And a lot of times, that wealth is not so that you can bless people. That wealth is not just so that you can have a certain status. But a lot of times, people are building wealth because they're trying to prevent disaster. They think money is going to protect them. They think money is going to hook them up. But the problem is, Sometimes God says, don't tear down your barns because your night life is required of you the same night. Here's how greedy this guy was, to go back to that, that story. He said, I'm not only going to build new barns, I'm going to tear down the ones I already have. He didn't say, I'm going to build more barns. I'm just going to tear down everything I have. And start over. He is so wealthy, he is so consumed with goods that he doesn't even care about the barns he has. He's just assuming, I got so much money, I got so much flow, that really there's nothing that can come against me. I I can tell you now that in 10 years, I'm going to be paid. You know, I'm sure you guys saw the news that uh, the the big high-profile divorce of Jeff... um, I always call him Jeff Benzos because that's the only, I can't remember his last name. And I think his wife's name is Michelle, his ex-wife. I could be wrong. Somebody knows it. Shout it out. And, you know, she had become the fourth wealthiest woman in the world after this divorce. And everybody was going crazy. First of all, you probably know that the Amazon was her idea in the first place, right? I mean, let's just be honest about this, right? It was probably her idea in the first place. And she was like, you know what, Jeff, what you should do is stop selling those books and you need to sell everything else online. And then he was like, you're probably right. And then, you know, Amazon just makes so much money. It's just like, it's just crazy, right? Like, I think Jeff made back money in like the next day or the next month he made back what he lost in the divorce. But here's Jeff Benzo saying, look, I got so much money. It doesn't matter what happens in the future. I'm going to be good. And there's a sense of presumption. Jesus is trying to warn against. Don't just expect tomorrow to come the way it came today. Don't just expect that financially you're going to be good every single step of the way. What about the greed of power? The greed to make all the decisions. I'm the man in this house. I make all the decisions. We eat what I say we're going to eat. We go where I say, we're going, we watch what I want to watch. We go to bed when I say we go to bed. Just power hungry. Just greedy with privilege. It's, it's my decision. It's, I can do what I want to do. What about the greed of fame? Popularity. Being noticed. Being seen. Being appreciated. Coming in the door. Stopping the show coming in the door, rolling my eyes at the other girls because their shoes ain't hooked up and my nails are flawless and my lips are popping. I'm just walking in the door and I'm just shutting it down. What what about that greed of attention? I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want my opinions to go forward. Don't do this because I didn't agree with that. What about this, this greed of pleasure? Wanting to feel good all the time. Wanting to feel good every second of the day. Wanting to be in a position to have whatever you want because you want it. Because your body craves it. I'm going to give it to myself. I don't deny anything to myself. Whatever I want to watch, whatever I want to hear, whatever I want to do, I can do it because I want to do it. And Jesus brings up this idea of godly greed. To say not only do I want all of these things. But I want you to do it for me, Jesus. I want you to get it for me. I want you to step in and I want you to make it happen. Because look how many times I go to church. Look how much I know the scripture. Look how long I've been in this church. I should have a say of what happens. I should have a say of what we do. I should be able to make sure that the decisions go in my favor. And because I'm so holy and because I'm so spiritual and because I'm so Adventist and because of what I don't eat and because of what problems I don't have, I am asking you to do something for me and not do it for somebody else. I want to be in a position spiritually that nothing can happen that can shift me or mess up my salvation. I just want to be protected. I want the authority that you have. I want the position that you have. I want the, the role that you have. I want to be able to be in charge. And Jesus is like, you must have lost your mind. If you want something so bad that you need Jesus to get it. See, that's, in, that's a speech of scarcity. Scarcity. That's, a, that's a, someone who's thinking about being afraid of losing something because the reality is life is not measured by what you have but what you can give away. And the reality is, is if you have God, you don't need anything. If you have God, you don't need anything. If you're in a place of overflow, Jesus is saying you can give it away. It may not be money, it may not be power, but I can give it away. That's the, that's, the, that's the essence of the church, that when you come in the door or you come into the community of faith, it doesn't matter what, how many degrees you have, it doesn't matter your gender or your ethnicity, we are all equal at the cross, and that means everyone has opportunity, everyone, power is shared, nobody is holding something and saying, this is mine. When you have God, you can give it away. I don't need anything. Because I've lived my life pouring myself out. And if Jesus requires of me my life tonight, it is good with him because I have lived my life to pour out what I have. And so in this first parable, Jesus says this guy has torn down his barns instead of building up. It's so easy to try to climb that ladder and step over people and tear people down to get what we want. But the church is about building people up to get what he wants. We're not about tearing people down. We're not about tearing families down. We're about building people up. And God says the first thing I need you to understand here is that I don't want you to tear anything down. I want you to build up. If you've got extra, give it away. If you've got enough, give it away. If you've got time, give it away. If you've got a gift, give it away. If you've got a talent, give it away. Use what God's given you to bless someone else's life. So then, go back to Luke 11. And I love this particular story too. I guess I'll read it from the screen again. Another person we read and shouted out and said, Jesus, you're getting all this power from the devil. You're getting all this power from Satan. And Jesus wants to break this down. He says, look here. Any kingdom that's divided by civil war is doomed. Any family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You're accusing me of having power. But there's no reason that I would have power from the enemy because I am tearing down what the enemy built. In this case, here's a good tear down. Tear down what the enemy created. And so I'm about not tearing down uh, my own kingdom. I'm about building up a kingdom. See, Satan, all he wants to do is destroy and tear down. And let's go over to verse, I think it was verse um, 20, no, verse 18. He says, or for verse 21. So he says, it's like a strong man who comes. Is verse 21? Yes. For when a strong man is fully armed and guards are in his palace, his possessions are safe. When you've got everything taken care of, you feel safe. You feel comfortable. Then he says, what happens next? Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, and carries off his belongings. Jesus says, you may think that your life is protected That you've got everything in place. You've got a strong man at the door. You've got a security team. You have locked your heart. You have locked your emotions. You have locked all of those places that trigger you giving something away. You've got it contained. You've got your finances in order. You've got all the people you need. You don't need anybody else. You've got your routine. You've got your favorite shows, your favorite team, your favorite food. And you're just walking through life. Everything's good. I'm protected. I'm safe until he says somebody else shows up somebody even stronger shows up illness knocks on the door divorce shows up broken heartedness shows up legal battles show up and then something or someone stronger comes to the door and begins to strip everything away from you. Jesus says, everything's good until Debo shows up. You say, I'm just going to tuck mine in. Right? I'm just, I'm just going to hide my gift. I'm just going to hide my, my precious stuff. I'm, I'm just going to hide my heart. And the strong man comes in and yanks it from you. And you work hard to rebuild everything back up. And then another, and you feel safe, and you feel good, and you feel like you got things back. And then another strong man shows up and takes over. Then the same boyfriend keeps coming back around, around and around, but it's a new name. Same guy, new name. Same marital issue keeps coming back up. The strong man keeps tearing it down. And God is saying, you don't have enough in the bank to keep rebuilding your life. You need to be rich in me. A relationship with me is rich. It's it's full because I can do so much more than you can do. Some of us are afraid of of those inclinations because we feel like Jesus is Debo. Jesus is coming to ask you of something. That that it's not fair. What do you mean, Jesus, you're asking me to serve in the church? What do you mean you're asking me for a tithe and offering? You see my bills? What do you mean you're asking me to submit to my spouse? What do you mean you're asking me to spend time with my kids? What do you mean you're asking me to do less of this and more of this? What are you talking about? Why are you asking me to do something that I'm uncomfortable with? My kingdom is safe. I've been living this way my whole life. God's like, I'm not Debo. I'm Craig. I knock Debo out. I say, don't touch my child. Don't put your hands on my church. Don't put your hands on my people. These are my people. And Jesus is simply trying to say, look, being consumed with trying to protect what you have is not worth it because life is not measured by how much you have but how much you're willing to give away how much can you give I know what you might be feeling pastor I ain't got much to give you, you should be happy that I'm here today and I am But what happens if you could give a little more in that relationship what would happen if you took your fathering to the next level? What would happen if you took your parenting to the next What would happen if you were a better son? A better daughter. A better neighbor. A better coworker. What if you went to work and you had something to give instead of expecting someone to give to you? What would happen if you completely changed the game and you showed up and said, "Guess what? I'm not here to take. I'm here to give." I'm not here to look good. I'm here for the good. I'm not here to have you look at me. I'm here to have you look at somebody who I'm in a relationship with, who adopted me, and now I'm rich. And I can pour out love and forgiveness and patience and kindness and gentleness and all the fruits of the Spirit. My storehouse is full. It doesn't mean that I'm not broken sometimes. It doesn't mean that people won't take advantage of me. It simply means that when something is taken and when something is depleted I have a heavenly father who will fill me back up again and restore me and put me on my feet and say son daughter keep on going don't give up you have more to give Jesus is not stuck on these haters because he says the same person who is challenging me is the exact person I need to die for And Jesus gave it all away He didn't have anything less to give. Jesus poured it all out on Calvary. There was nothing. He held nothing back. He said, I'll give it all. Everything I have, I'll give it to you because I love you, because you're valuable, because you're worth it, and I want you to be rich in the kingdom. And when God comes again, when Jesus comes with our inheritance for the sons and daughters of God. He's bringing with us eternal riches that will never spoil, that will never go away. And the things that we may feel are so important now will seem so small when Jesus comes. The things that we put in front of God now will be so ridiculous when we see the big picture and the people that we refuse to forgive, the people we refuse to restore a relationship with, or the people that we're constantly protecting and God is saying, let them go. It'll seem so small when Jesus comes with all power and heavens are opened up and we come to live with him forevermore. And so God is saying, I don't want you to be earthly rich, I want you to be God rich. And when you can be God rich, you can handle earthly rich. Because there's a lot of people that you're looking at their house as you're driving on I-92 and you're looking up Badger Mountain. You say, man, I sure would love a house like that. And you don't realize that God is requiring of them their life that very night. And they don't have the peace that you have. They don't. You're looking at your two-bedroom apartment or your one-bedroom apartment, and you're feeling down. And God said, "Don't you realize that two-bedroom apartment is saving your life? Don't you realize that that tight quarter is forcing you to trust me? And I'm going to gift you with so much that you won't be able to receive it. Don't chase money. Don't chase greed. Chase the power of God. I want to." Ask that your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. There's someone today who just needs to give Jesus a chance. He's saying, look, just give me a chance to lead. Just give me a chance to knock out Debo. Give me a chance to protect you. Because if I'm protecting you, there is no one that can take what what I've given you. When I'm at the door, there's nobody stronger than me. And perhaps you're saying today, Jesus, you know what? I have been... Taken advantage of so many times, I've, I've people have failed me, they've hurt me, and over and over again, I've just surrendered to everything that's happened to me. And today, I want to give you a different, ch- I want to give you a chance. Today, I want to say, Jesus, I need you to come into my life, and I need you to lead me. If that's you, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, people are praying for you right now. If you just do something bold, just slip your hand up. Nobody's going to see it but me. God bless you. I see it. God bless you. I see it. 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 I see it, hands are going up all over the place. Continue to pray, more hands are going up. There are people saying, God, I need you. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that you be with all of those whose hands are risen, and that you would say to them that you are loved, that you are cared for, that you are protected, and that they were died for, that they are important into the kingdom of God. And I pray that you will make us rich in you today. I pray they will leave here knowing that they are forgiven. I pray that they will leave here knowing that they were restored and that they would repent, they would change from trying to lead themselves and allow you to lead them. And we love you and we thank you. In the name in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a praise.